Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Cavs podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Elijah Kim and Chris Francis, and we are kicking it on a NBA preview Sunday night. Uh, is the tip off tomorrow, or is that Tuesday? Tuesday night. Tuesday night, and we got the Nets, Bucks, and yes. Warriors. Uh, who are they playing in the late game? Do they play the Lakers? Lakers? Yeah, I think so. It's got to be right. Yeah. so that that should be a fun doubleheader and then the rest of the action starts uh wednesday and that's when the Cavs tip off in memphis and pretty exciting uh start to the season so far i think that fifth nba preseason game we were all pretty excited about the lineups we saw uh the Cavs looked dominant against an admittedly um Somewhat neutered Indiana team, but they did feature all their starting front court players. I mean, Sabonis and Miles Turner both played. I don't think Brogdon played, but they, the Cavs looked really good. And the jumbo three big man lineup with Mobley and Lori Markinen at the three and Jared Allen at the center, uh, with Okoro and Garland looked, looked really good, and especially defensively. That zone was, uh, styming Indy, which was really fun to see. And the shooting was there and the ball was, sorry, moving. So uh, we're going to play a little game uh, with the roster. Um, Oh, the other thing that came out were the roster cuts. Uh, uh, You want to go through those real quick, Chris? Yes. uh, So it looks like according to spot track, um, the roster, uh, at the end, it basically comes down to um, Denzel Valentine, 
uh, made the cut, uh, as well as Taco Fall and R.J. Nemhard of, of TCU fame. Um, they were the t- two two-way guys. It's also listing Ed Davis as a camp invite Exhibit 10 uh, Exhibit Ten guy. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it's still listing him on the roster, as uh, essentially. Um, it means so- they haven't finalized their roster and that he will probably be with the team, but I, I still think there's a chance that he gets cut, uh, especially right. given as the Cavs look around and see who other teams are cutting. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that means um, uh, Mitch Ballack, uh It was Mitch Ballack, um I'm sorry. I'm blanking on the other guys. Uh, uh, let me go to... Yeah, so after Taco Fall and RJ Nimhard. RJ Nimhard made the um the two way contracts, then we had uh Yes, we had Mitch Ballack, Taco Fall I mean sorry, Mitch Ballack, Kyle Guy, Broderick Thomas, and in um Infiandu Kambengale. Infiandu uh, Kambengale. Yes. Or if as I, I like God, um, I got ca- forgive Cabin me. Jelly. Cabin Jelly. Sorry, <laughs> forgive me, uh, yeah. I was a big fan of yours, too, yeah. uh, as, I, as I could be. Uh, those were the four cuts. Yeah, and and I like that list of guys, except, you know, I think, and maybe you can start us out here with a good, the bad, and the ugly take, but Denzel Valentine was woof. He was a dog in preseason, and the only reason he's on the roster is because he had a $500,000 guarantee. On his salary, did he? Yeah, he wow. did. It was a terrible, terrible contract, uh, given how poorly he's played. And you know, one of the things I l- would have loved to have seen is the Cavs, you know, go grab Dante Exum, right? Who's getting who was released in Houston, but had a solid preseason. Same size. Cavs are familiar with him. You know, that yeah, would and he, and he performed really well uh, last year, last yeah, when season. He was healthy, until, that's yeah, exactly. always been the knock on him is, yep. is staying healthy. But I I almost want, wish the Cavs had done like a trade with Houston where they just gave him like $550,000 <laughs> to take Denzel Valentine <laughs> and get – but uh, – we know, we know he's hard up for cash, right? Term, yeah. uh, Tillman for Titta. Yeah, Exum had a weird incentive-laden deal, and I think that's part of the reason they didn't want to keep him on the roster and pay him. And I'm I'm not 100% sure the Cavs would have loved that either. So we'll see. But anyway, Chris, give me um, – oh, and the other guy I liked uh, from preseason was Mitch Ballack, who had a nice uh, game against Indy. You kind of saw a lot of those deep bench guys we didn't see earlier in the preseason. But, you know, just going through preseason, give me a good, the bad, and the ugly take on the Cavs uh, from what you saw so far in preseason. Yeah, I mean, the good is obviously the big lineup, right? I mean, that's that stood out big time, is that they had basically two and a half games of looking at Laurie Markkinen at the three, and it was fantastic. I mean, like, they were killing uh, lineups. In fact, I saw, I don't know if it was... Um, Justin Rowan or somebody on Twitter who uh, scraped through some lineup data and they were something like plus 15 with combinations of uh, Laurie Markkinen at the three or something like that. It was just, that was insanely good. And it just begs the question, is it something that they're willing to commit to 
and, uh, you know, explore further. Is it real? You know, so uh, that's got to be the good thing. The bad thing was uh, it was all the young players. They were awful. Uh, Sexlin, you know, uh, DG was bad until the fifth game. So he kind of, uh, uh, you know, he uh, he left a good taste in everybody's mouths, uh, you know, with his fifth game preseason performance. But as a whole, the young guys were awful. Um, and then the ugly, I mean, the ugly is, uh, no one, the ugly is there was a funny post by our, one of our CTB commentariats, uh, Buck, you know, our, our good old friend, Buck Turgeson. And (laughs) please never say that name on this podcast. At least the last name. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) But I mean, the, the ugly thing is, are we going, are we really going to go back to Sexlin and Okoro as our starting lineup with, you know, uh, Allen and Mobley? Like, it's like we did some of these cool experiments. JB did some of these cool experiments, especially in that fifth game, which we were all, you know, as you said, we were all really happy to see. He was, he was pressing all the right buttons uh, that night against Indy. And it's like uh, no one really has any confidence that that's actually going to happen or that they're really, truly committed to trying to find a way to win. So, you know, that's kind of the ugly thing for me is, are we just going to revert back to what didn't work in that 40 point loss against the Bulls? You know, so, you know, th- there was all this progress that happened over the course of the preseason for the Cavs. Uh, Evan Mobley getting better every single game. The new lineups showing some promise. You know, DG getting back on track. Uh, Rubio being outstanding. You know, there was all these markers of progress. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've heard this reporting from Chris Fedor, you know, the lineup set in stone, the lineup set in stone, the lineup set in stone. And so it's like, what of this? You know, what of all the good things that happened in preseason? It just goes down the tubes. So that's that's what the ugly thing potentially could be. And the bad thing? Oh, the bad thing was, uh, as I said, uh, it was kids. You know, oh, it was okay. collectively, it was DG, yep. Sexton, Allen, and, you know, market and marketing actually for good parts of it until he got slided, slid to the three. And Okoro um, as well, sliding to the two. They were all objectively horrible during most of the preseason. Well, at least uh, the first couple games for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well... And, well, I, I've been paying attention to their net ratings. I mean, like, I think Sex, Sexton's net rating is, like, minus 20-something. You oh, know? He was, he's abysmal in the preseason. He was absolutely awful, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was the worst player. He was literally the worst Cavs player on the on the court during the preseason, so. Yeah. Uh, Eli, I see Eli is, is rubbing his hands together in anticipation <laughs> to, to get on here. So, so Eli, give us your good, the bad, and the ugly on the Cavs preseason. Yeah, I think the uh, the good has to be, for me, Evan Mobley. Um, I just thought that entering the preseason, um, my thought process with him was, hey, you know what, he probably doesn't help the Cavs win a lot long term. Uh, maybe all his tools don't translate immediately. But the preseason uh, proved me wrong. He can help this team ASAP. His presence and mobility was just so translatable that even I was surprised for a rookie how good and how impactful he was. I think 
Uh, he had the best plus minus of the starters, which also gets to my, you know, bad enough section in a second, but um, he had, the, I think, the best plus minus of the starters. I think you're correct, and, Yep, by far. And I, <clears throat> and I think that he didn't really have a drop-off, even though he didn't score as much as I'd like, but you could just tell that he does all the little things right um, from the get-go, which I think is really important. He's, and his feel for the game is just very evident, even though he's, you know, a rookie. Moving on to kind of the bad. Um, I agree. I think Sexton was really bad this preseason. I was really disappointed with uh, Garland. I thought he would take a step forward and even play better in this preseason. But um, I guess my my distaste for the Cleveland small backcourt uh, only continues to grow larger, ironically, because of how how inefficient and poor that they play together. So I oh, know that, that was a good line. <laughs> yeah. I got so, that, was, that was a good one. <laughs> um, no, I think the Indiana game, the first Indiana game where literally Malcolm Brogdon was just like, all right, well, it doesn't matter if Garland's guarding me or Sexton's guarding me. I can just like take either of these guys all the way to the hoop because they're four inches shorter than me and uh, 25 pounds less than me. So, um, that was really disappointing, and the ugly for me, I I really want Okoro to be really good, but I think I was most disappointed with Okoro in the preseason. I just thought that his shooting somehow is regressing. He's not taking the open three still, and for some reason, he looks maybe a little bit better driving to the hoop as an on-ball guy, but... As a starting three for the Cavs, there's just no opportunity for him to have the ball in his hands that much. And even if he is playing with the bench unit, like that is not a skill set the Cavs need with they if they intend to play Rubio and Garland a lot of minutes. So I was really disappointed. I thought Okoro's preseason was really ugly considering the the alleged improvements he had this offseason. So that's my quick uh three for you. So my good is the Cavs offense looked much more cognizant of taking three pointers. I know in that first game, which I'm going to throw out in their, in their five game sample, because I think that they just didn't get off the bus that game and clearly were not ready for NBA contact where a lot of those guys had, you know, played in the postseason last year. I'm, I'm just going to write that one off. But even with that game, they averaged over 33 point attempts a game which we would have killed for that at times last year. So I was super excited to see that. Uh, obviously, I, I still think it's a little low. I wanted to see more three-point attempts from you know, Mobley and Jared Allen just to get them comfortable out there, You know, having no hesitation shooting. But I was uh, really glad to see that. And then the other... <clears throat> The ugly, or sorry, the bad, I would say, is Evan Mobley's finishing. Um, loved everything else about his game. I was a little concerned about his, uh, it, he's really hasn't had a lot of touch or, you know, jumping, not quite sure whether he's going to dunk or, um, 
lay it up on some of his uh, finishing attempts and he kind of gets caught in the middle sometimes. He doesn't have a great one-handed slam. Like I don't feel I don't know if he can palm the ball or not. It doesn't feel like it. So that I'm a little concerned about, but it, I think he'll improve. I think it's just, you know, rookie jitters a little bit, but my his finishing concerns me a bit. Excuse me. And then the ugly um I'll definitely say it's the starting lineup. You know, my ugly take here is that the Cavs, I feel like they would be better off without Colin Sexton on the whole. And I just came to that conclusion in the last game. I think he's forced to play the two. He should be coming off the bench. Okoro makes so much more sense as a natural three or as a natural two. I actually didn't hate the way he played in the game. He just, the shots aren't there in this offense for him. So I want to see him starting at the two. I think he makes a million times more sense there. You either start Markinen or a guy like Chetty Osman at the three. Uh, and I actually thought Chetty had a really nice preseason. Uh, and it kind of goes back to what I said about the offense is he, he seems to know where his shots are coming from in the offense. I don't know if it's Sidney Lowe. But the Cavs offense looks much more, you know, thoughtful and cohesive. And obviously a huge part of that is Ricky Rubio. Um, but yeah, my my ugly take is the Cavs should move on from Colin Sexton. <laughs> I think they're better off without him. And certainly better off without him in the starting lineup. But I, I don't think you're going to see that because they want to keep his value up to trade him. And unfortunately, no man can serve two masters. So... Uh, and with that, we're going to take our first break and be right back. Welcome back to Kev's podcast. Dang, that, uh, dang, uh, Nate, you really depressed me off the last segment. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, because you're totally right. I mean, the feeling from that last preseason game is why is Colin Sexton still on this team? <laughs> What that was that was hundred percent the feeling watching the game, and and so then I go back to thinking, you know, well, to me here is the issue, and I want to you know get both of your takes on this is that I think now there's an issue. We saw how effective Akora was at the two at times in the preseason. The question is, is now. Colin Sexton versus Okoro. Are is are the Cavs holding back Okoro's development by playing him out of position instead of inserting him at the two? And is Colin Sexton a barrier to that development? That that's that'd be the, the that's the question to me. I'd be interested to get your takes. Do you think that there's a risk of uh, uh of a lack of development with Okoro not being able to play the position that's most natural to him? I <laughs> I, yeah, I, I absolutely think he's stymied there. He needs his touches, and he's not getting them. I mean, let's not forget he's a let's not forget he's a higher draft pick than Colin Sexton. Um, True, that's a good point, right? You know, I I'm a little bit baffled at the way the Cavs are handling that. Um, you know, we saw the report come out this week that basically said, um, and this was in SI.com, uh, a a Columnist said uh, a report from a scout was Colin Sexton is a backup and an A, a blank blank hole. None of his teammates <laughs> like him. 
I like Garland. I actually like Garland. He plays hard. He puts pressure on you because he can shoot. He can pass, and he's a much more willing passer. He's not out there trying to effing get his stats and go home the same way Sexton is. I don't think they can play those two small guards together and get a ton out of them. I thought they were on the right track last year until they traded for – well, yeah. Wow. Of course, wow. it's like he's got the potential to be a pretty damn good defender, but I don't know how much more than that. But And then, of course, Larry Nance came back and said – uh, whoever said this is a moron with zero knowledge of anything going on in Cleveland. I'd hide behind anonymity, too, if I was this bad at my job. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, baby. That's right. Defend the land. I love that Larry Nance is still in Cavs Twitter. I mean, you know, some things never die. But, yeah, that that was wild. I Do you think, Eli, do you think Kevin or uh, Colin Sexton teammates – think he's an a blank blank hole <laughs> i don't know if i think i don't know if the teammates think that but i think there's just too many reports of teammates who don't like playing with them that keep leaking that there has to be some truth of the matter to that and it's just weird i feel like for a team that's not very good or relevant to be to be you know honest with ourselves uh, the fact that these reports are still leaking indicates to me that uh, that he's not the most like player to play with for sure. I feel like the problem is that they like him in the locker room. They like him off the court, but people don't like sharing the floor with him. And one of the issues is that he is he does pad his stats a lot. Like I really got on him last year for not shooting open three not shooting three point shots unless he was absolutely wide open. I uh, like if if he had someone within three feet of him, even if he had an open look, it was like or let's say six feet of him, even if he had an open look, he wasn't shooting. And that was really annoying. Yeah. I don't know. No, absolutely. But that's the my thing about Sexton is well, it goes back to a bit uh I think about this bit between Mark Jackson, ESPN's Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. They have this bit that they always do about players and teams and stuff. And the bit goes like this. It would go like this about Colin Sexton. Jeff Van Gundy would say, you know, what can Colin Sexton do? His team around him sucks. You know, you know he can only do so much. He's only one player and it's about the team game, you know. And then Mark Jackson would reply, this is a superstars league. Uh they they always get the blame. Why are we trying to blame somebody else? No one gets a pass. LeBron doesn't get a pass. Kawhi doesn't get a pass. Giannis doesn't get a pass. Why would Colin Sexton get a pass? You this know? is a man who's putting up 25 points a game in a grown exactly. man's league. <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. Give him the ball and get out of his way. Look at these highlights. Mama, there goes that man. You got it, man. And 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 I actually agree with Jackson. It's like, okay, Colin Sexton's our superstar. Why is he not getting flack then? You know, he's our superstar and this is his product. You know, this is his team. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a total double-edged sword with the way the Cavs have handled him and, you know, how the promotion and hasn't right. matched, you know, the right. production. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Eli, do you think he gets a – how long till he's the contract extension eligibility is over? So we're actually getting close. Um, I think it's less than 24 hours. So the Cavs and Colin Sexton can agree on extension. If not, 
and he goes to restrictive free agency. So my gut tells me that uh, it's really quiet. So it could still go either way, but I'm I'm hoping the Cavs do not give him an extension at this point. Yeah, I think I saw today that one of the extensions just signed was Macau Bridges, dumbest yep. non-draft pick in Sixers history. Just got uh, four years, ninety million. So good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Aiton is still unsigned, right? Or that's they, correct. Yeah, and that's. I don't think they're going to sign him. I think they have correctly read the market that not a lot of teams have cap room next summer and that there isn't a, the market in the NBA is not for bigs. You can find bigs now, but so maybe they shouldn't overpay for him. Of course, the other side of that is, you know, if you're in the NBA finals and you want a non disgruntled player, you give, you know, Tristan Thompson, $70 million or however he made <laughs> under LeBron. Um, that's the other side of that. And sometimes you, you have to pay a premium when you're a championship contender. So those, yep. cause those guys will be sought after. Yep. I don't know. Yep. Should the Cavs sign a sex and do an extension, Chris? Well, I mean, I, it was interesting cause, uh, I was having a great conversation with Dan Kay, one of our commentariat, uh, about sex and extension and comps for sexting. And as a scorer, uh, Sexton had three comps. It was D'Angelo Russell, uh, um, De'Aaron Fox, and Jordan Clarkson. That would put uh, estimated that that would put his extension around twenty two million a year, which um, is right where that uh, Macau Bridges extension. Yeah, that's I know that's interesting, and and that's actually you you. That's a great point because what I was going to say is if you look at the players signed to about that $22 million per, the the list, the vast majority of those guys in that range of pay, getting paid that way are high-level role players. They're players who you would say have high basketball IQ, high floors, not necessarily high ceilings, but they're going to get the job done. You could rely upon them as NBA players that are going to fulfill their role and do it well, you know? And does that really fit the description of Sexton? It, I don't think so. You know, Sexton's supposed to be this star, you know, or, or that there's this star ceiling to him. He, I, I would never describe Sexton as a high-level role player, you know? He's a superstar that hasn't blossomed into one yet. So it's kind of weird that uh, where the where the estimated, you know, where my guess about where his salary might be, uh, you know, is is not necessarily reflective of the players in the NBA around, you know, at that salary. So um, to me, I, I hope to God they don't sign him because the, the risk for the Cavs is just way too great, even at 22 million. You know, you basically got to hope that he ends up like Zach Levine, you know, somehow. And that's really the only case that I can point to. Maybe Jalen Brown, where a guy signs less than Max and really pops. So um, yeah, I don't it's know. It's really what you hard think. when you are a six foot one shooting guard. I mean, exactly. one of the comps to me, to me, the problem is that he is a bench guard that they're starting. Right. And right. yes, he scores a lot of points for games. There's a lot of bench guards that if you gave him starters minutes could score a lot of points per game. And, and Sexton does it efficiently. The problem is, is the offense isn't any better 
when he's in, right. he's just scoring a more share of a, the points. And the defense is not necessarily better either. You know, or the defense is actively worse. Is the Yeah, it's objectively awful. And, and yeah. in the preseason, he's just been abysmal. I mean, he's just been a turnover machine. He can't shoot. He's getting blocked all over the place. And I think one of the problems is, is he is a guy. I think these small guards are really going to get hurt by this new uh, rule that you can't draw fouls for just throwing yourselves into guys. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. I did see in the last couple of preseason games, they weren't calling it. They were calling some of the old garbage again. Like what was it? Rubio got flagged for a foul in the left corner. That was just, you know, s- somebody from Indiana just throwing themselves into Rubio on a closeout. So oh, the old banana in the tailpipe. Yeah, well, it wasn't even that. Like the banana is the pump fake, and Kevin Love just flails. But <laughs> this wasn't. This was just a straight closeout. But I think those smaller guys are going to really be hurt by these by the enforcement change if it sticks. Like, um, you know, guys like Trey Young and guys like Colin Sexton who already have problems defending, and then you know they're they're in the that rule allowed them to outsize their offensive ability and generate easy uh, free throw attempts. And I think if those go down, it's going to be really hard for guys like uh, Sexton and Trey Young to impact winning. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that rule is applied. But I'm with you, Eli and Chris. I I honestly think the only reason you might sign him to an extension is because maybe you think you can trade him. But I think it actually hurts his trade value at this point to sign him to an extension because then you get that weird, uh, I don't know if it's a poison pill provision or what it is. But once you've traded a guy, it's it, the math on trade or once you've signed a guy to an extension, the math on trades becomes harder. Right, Eli? Correct. You uh, you have to treat it as the value of the extension and not the the salary you're paying him that year. Yeah, and I wouldn't say normally I would say just sign him to an extension and you know protect the asset and move on, but man, the Cavs look so much better without him on the floor. <laughs> I mean, it's just it was palpable the other night. And the ball moves, uh, you know, Laurie at the three, these jumbo lineups because of Evan Mobley's flexibility. And then you got mm-hmm. Dean Wade playing the three two. Is, yeah, it's really intriguing, and especially if the Cavs run a zone-heavy defense. Yeah, no, I, there's two things, uh, if I may, is uh, JB Bickerstaff has been saying this phrase over and over again during the preseason, which is skill, 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 put skill on the floor, put skill on the floor, put skill on the floor. And so that's been his mantra for why he's trying these different lineups, and it's working. You know, they're, they're putting more skilled players out on the floor uh, in, in Markinen and Wade and, you know, Rubio, Chetty. You know, they can do many things, you know, they can relatively can do many things, you know, uh, functionally. And so uh, that's that's one thing. And the second thing, um, the the second thing is, uh, well, I'd, I'd forgotten it, but uh, <laughs> the what it what I thought was interesting is that uh I don't even know what, I mean, like, what we saw in Indiana, like, that would make Sexton a third string point guard on the team. You know, that he's literally the third best point guard on the team. That would be his role. You know, if, if, if 
the Cavs were a uh, were basing it off of what was going on in preseason. I, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, the other side of the the other side of this in my head is, am I taking way too much away from the preseason? Which I think I am. Uh, Colin Sexton stunk in preseason last year, and and he still put up good numbers. You know, once NBA players get into a rhythm, I think it helps them out. I I was really surprised how much I saw NBA rotation players on developing teams. You know, the starters and the rotation guys played a lot in preseason, a lot more than a lot of times I think they do. So it, it that was interesting, and we definitely saw that with the Cavs. So. I yeah, don't there, know there was definitely time. yeah I it was in, I agree a hundred percent there was definitely a lot of teams like Bulls you know the Bulls still ran out their their starting lineups as good as they looked just to just to gel you know and find some chemistry yeah and I think a lot of that is the amount of movement a lot of that is I think a lot of teams told guys especially vets get healthy this summer like don't being healthy and available is more important than you working on your game. Uh, just because the last season and a half have been just an absolute meat grinder. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that was a directive from a lot of teams. So it, it probably is why some guys are taking longer to warm up. But fortunately, the Cavs have Ricky Rubio, and he wasn't in that boat because he looked really awesome in the preseason. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to Cavs of Podcast. You know, before we left, uh, I teased Ricky Rubio a little and and the other guy who's looking super useful and a lot of fun and you know as Bill Simmons would say hooked up to the jubination machine uh Kevin Love uh the old uh <laughs> Minnesota connection is looking is looking really effective uh what what have you thought of that so far in the preseason Eli Yeah I think I tweeted this out but I I really thought Kevin Love looked as good as I've seen him in the last, you know, two, two, three seasons for sure. And I just thought whether the shot goes in or not, I mean, we all know that Kevin was a really good three-point shooter, but his just activity level was off the charts in my opinion. And maybe playing with Rubio unlocks a lot of, of easy looks and he knows that Rubio can get him those looks. So he's more motivated to cut or, you know, work out of the elbow with Rubio. But um, I just thought he looked amazing. Um, And it is preseason. You know, he's not going against the opponent's uh, best effort or best players at all times. But I was still very pleasantly surprised and really, really enjoyed the Kevin Love experience in the preseason. Anything to add to that, Chris? Oh, and what about Rubio? Sorry. Rubio, anything to add on Rubio? I, I just thought he was so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think Rubio... If the Cavs were serious about winning, he should be starting. So uh, I'm, I still have that take. I know some people strongly disagree, but I think that he just unlocks so much more for the Cavs than a guy like Sexton does right now. So I would, uh, I want to see uh, Rubio play 30 minutes a night if if I if I was running the Cavs. So what about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'll echo a lot of the same things. Uh, Rubio looked fantastic. Um, I I will say that um, if we get the Garland that showed up in Indiana, then it makes sense to have Rubio come off the bench. Uh, 
but that's the only way it makes sense is if we're getting that garland <laughs> that showed up uh in Indiana. Uh so I get if they want to bring him off the bench, but that's the only reason why is if Garland looks like that or some facsimile of that. Um and with Kevin Love, yeah, the chemistry, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's you know, they had this beautiful play in uh in Indiana where uh it's just a, a pick and roll, make force the switch, get and then love dives right into the post against the mismatch. Rubio knows it's gonna be there. Rubio knows he's gonna work to get the a passing angle, open up a passing angle for Rubio. Bam. What is it what does uh Love get? He gets an easy freaking layup in the post. That's his shot. That's his Minnesota shot. That's what he made all of his money. All NBA teams, all star games is working in the post and getting easy shots around the basket, you know, and just being a savant with the angles and playing the ball off the backboard, you know? And so, uh, that's going to be, and, and if he's doing that, you know, I think those opportunities are going to be there in the second unit for them. Like that offense, a Rubio loves second off, you know, uh, second unit offense. You could live with that. You know, that's awesome. You know, that's winning, you know, to me. So, uh, it was just, I'm so happy, you know, cause I'm a love fan, you know, I've, you know, I've been on love Island, so I'm just happy as crap that love looks great. He looks healthy. Uh, Rubio, you know, I love Rubio, love passing. I love team player guys. And so, uh, you know, adding Rubio in, that's a winning move. So, and in one of the best, it was obviously one of the best moves besides getting Mobley of the pre uh, of the off season. So couldn't be happier for those two. Yeah, I'm I'm with you both. I think one of the big things that's exciting about Kevin Love is he's been 50% uh from the field, 43% from 3 in the preseason. Ooh. Are you serious? Yeah. And and he's only getting uh, you know about 6 points a game, but I I well, actually barely played. It's only like 13 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah I actually think if you bump that up to, you know, 12 you know, double that and you can get, you know, 12 and six out of them. That's, that's pretty good at that efficiency. That that's pretty good. Um, the other thing is the Cavs are setting up the wing shooters really well in the preseason. You know, we'll see how that happens when NBA defenses are ready to gear up on them a little bit. And the scouting is going to be better this year because the games aren't as compressed and teams are going to be able to prepare for each other a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see what teams do to counter the Cavs offense. But yeah, that's, that's been super fun. Uh, I love Dean Wade coming in and playing as, you know, Kev Laurie light when, when he takes the floor. Um, the other thing with Kevin Love has been the pass, the defense. He's blocked some shots in the preseason. That's right. He's been rebounding with authority. Um, so that's, that's been super fun too. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other crazy major storylines out of preseason. Um, well, has anybody gonna, else impressed you from the Cavs there, Chris? Yeah, I was going to say one la- the thing that I remembered that, of the thought that I forgot was the inversion of the zone defense that they ran in Indiana because they had time to prepare with Mobley at the point of attack instead of having uh, Okoro and uh, Garland at the point of the attack. I thought that was a cool little wrinkle and it just kind of shows like, like I, I am, my mind is blown about how good Mobley has been. Like I am completely shocked 
Um, not because I don't didn't believe in them. It's just I thought, you know, young guys, you know, they suck, you know, when they get into the NBA at first. This kid, I mean, I am just blown away at the, all the things that he can do and all the things he unlocks. And that was one of those wrinkles that I thought was really cool. You were taught, you were just talking about uh, how teams can compare. That was a really cool wrinkle. I don't know what you guys thought, but they locked it down. Yeah, you, you know? saw a lot of that early in the season last year when the Cavs' defense was just destroying teams early on with Drummond and Nance in that inverted zone. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, to me, Evan Mobley is a guy, I don't know if I've ever seen a young big with as good of defensive instincts and read instincts as Kevin Mobley has sometimes. And it's really impressive. In the zone, you know, he matches up uh, in pick and roll. Just he's he's really impressive guy. Uh, and always in control. He's yeah. never off balance. And Emotionally and physically. Yeah. Like yeah. he plays a very even keeled game. He reminds me, his mentality reminds me of Tim Duncan a little bit on the court. <laughs> that is actually his a demeanor. great you know what I mean? I'm sorry, that's just because, but that's a great comparison. <laughs> yeah, his demeanor reminds me a lot of Tim Duncan where he just, he doesn't get too up or too down until something big happens. And then he like yells and you're like, okay, yeah, there's some fire there. Yeah. So, yeah. Love and, it. and, and <laughs> so, so, uh, what are the, I'll, I'll get back. Remind me of Love Island later, uh, because I got something for the things to pitch. So, which I didn't even watch, but it's the, the funniest thing I've seen in a while. So, <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be good. Yeah. And, oh, the other guy I enjoyed in the preseason was, uh, Lamar Stevens, you know, getting downhill, attacking the rack. Uh, you got on him a little bit in the end of the last game for the turnovers. And I think that's one of those things, if you're going to make those turnovers, make them in preseason when you got a big lead. So I wasn't too down on it. But him just kind of understanding his NBA game and understanding that he is, you know, that's his game. Get downhill, attack the rack, don't be cute, shoot when you're wide open, but that's don't hunt that shot out, just shoot it when it's there. And play defense and rebound is is really what they need from him. So... I, I love that in him as a 10th man, as a guy who can play the three or the four, maybe guard a little two if they need. Uh, that That's really fun from him. So what about you, Eli? Anybody that we haven't talked about that impressed you in preseason at all or didn't impress you? <laughs> I mean, other than Sexton. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought Kevin Pangos was pretty good. I know he didn't play a lot, but I was actually really impressed with how – he shot even though he's super unathletic. Like I could just to me, he's like barely an NBA athlete. Like by the threads. He's hanging on by thread with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. But he's so skilled and smart, it's like he can still somehow make it work. And I think he's, you know, good enough to be the third guard. Um I also I you did touch a little bit on Osman, but I thought that his la the last preseason game, he just looked so good, so smart, so decisive on his shooting. And that's that's what the Cavs need. Like I know he took a lot of bad shots last season, but I think he's best when he doesn't think and he just shoots when he's open. And uh, you know, I I I'm really hoping that he does have a little bit of bounce back because Definitely last year was really rough, but two years ago I thought he was really good. So uh, maybe he's an every other year player. But um, other than that, I 
can't say that I was really uh, no, taco I, fall. <laughs> yeah, let's talk taco. Yeah, taco fall was fun, but I just don't. You don't I just see don't how get it can it. work long term. Correct. And the Cavs just have this infatuation with guys who are either really big or really small. And it's just like, <laughs> please, just find guys like in the middle. <laughs> no, it's 100% true. It's so hilarious. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. It's 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 fun. It's great for the fans. But it just doesn't really work long term for me. I, I thought – Taco, I I think there's moments he's playable against really tall guys, but I yeah, it you saw it. He looked fun, and then you see Indy run and Batadze. Um, I can't remember what his first name is, but Batadze, who plays center on the on the deeper bench for Indy, just was remorseless about checking threes over and over again. I think he might have shot 12 threes in like 10 minutes <laughs> in the two games the Cavs played against Indiana and just over and over again against Taco Fall. And Taco just doesn't want to come out there. And Oh, yeah, he can't. <laughs> and I love the line that uh, AC had about, uh, you know, Taco getting a three-second violation. He said, well, I thought I was out, but I had my foot in the key. Like, <laughs> or my toe, my toe. That's what it was, my toe. But my toe is the size of most people's feet. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that I'll say about that is it can be very useful to practice against really big size. Um, and that's one thing where I think Taco Fall can help them is on the practice squad a little bit. So that that's one thing I'm not 100% like why he would be on a two-way. I think he's actually maybe more useful as a 15th guy. And speaking of 15th guys, the Cavs signed Ed Davis, which actually I think is a decent signing. Um, and maybe he was looking for another deal before he agreed with Cleveland, but great guy to just mentor all the Cavs young bigs, which I'm really – Cavs needed more guys like that, so I'm glad he's on the team. And another guy who – be a good practice body and, you know, tell them how to play different players and that kind of thing. So probably looking to transition into his post uh, playing coaching career. So um, I, I thought that was a decent signing. Although there's, you know, as we talked about in the first segment, there's a lot of guys that I'd like to see the Cavs take a look at other than Denzel Valentine on the end of this roster. But, you know, guys, a guy like Ed Davis and Denzel Valentine, if you if you do get involved in a trade later down later on in the season, those are good guys. You know, nobody's going to lose any sleep over moving them. And to your point about uh, Pangos, Eli, I really like the strength that he plays with for being a little guy. He's pretty fearless, which I think you have to be in the NBA. Um, I think especially ben, at his size. Yeah, and and it's not that just that he's shorter. I think what is he six foot or six one? But he's very lean, and the guy he reminds me of a lot is Facundo Campazzo, who plays for Denver and Ooh. who, you know, very similarly proportioned and surprised people with his effectiveness last year. I I don't think uh, Pangos is as quick, but he is very crafty, knows how to get open, knows how to shoot when open, shoots a really high kind of a rainbow ball, which will help him. So that that was certainly fun. He's a much better break glass in case of emergency point guard than, you know, Yogi Ferrell. 
So, and when we get back, we'll get back to our game we started last week, which was over unders. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. So we're going to get back to some over-unders, which we started for the Western Conference last week. And unfortunately, Donnie Socher isn't here. But fortunately, we have an awesome, I wouldn't say a fill-in, just the next man up in the Cavs' ace pitching rotation. Uh, Eli Kim's ready to to step in here and and do his picks for the, I guess it'll be the Donnie-Eli uh, consortium for for Cavs the blog here. But um, we're going to go through the Eastern Conference, picking against the over-unders. And where are we starting out here, Chris? Uh, We'll start with the Atlantic Division. And we'll start from top to – we'll go top to bottom with – starting with the Brooklyn Nets at 55.5 wins this season. 55.5 wins and how many vaccinations? 28? Got him. Got him. Zinga! (laughs) The dozens of net fans are so disappointed. Uh, I'm. That's a tough one. That's a high number, but I'm going to take the over just because I think KD's just going to be in FU mode. And he he already looks like he's in FU mode just from his preseason Twitter about how bad everybody's takes are. And, you know. I think a locked in. I actually think Kyrie being missing now actually might help them a little in the preseason in that they know they can't depend on him, so they're just not going to plan on having him. So I think that'll help them a little, and the role players are probably going to step up a little. So that's that's my take, is that they hit the over. And Kyrie does not play for them. He starts an ashram in Hoboken, and that's his career after this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Um, I will also take the over, but I'm actually going to take the over because I really believe in James Harden this year. I think he's going to get back to his uh, MVP level where he's averaging like 35 and 12. Um, so that's – that's why I believe in the Nets. And I kind of agree with you with the role players. I think guys like Joe Harris, um, you know, are really going to benefit from Kyrie's absence because they're going to just be super role players with, with there only being two stars to play around uh, to start the year. Uh, you don't think that the foul hunting, the NBA cracking down on that is going to hurt Harden? Uh, I think it'll hurt him a little bit, but I, I still think Harden is one of the more underrated passers uh, in the league. So I think that's what I'm banking him more on uh, for Harden's in, impact on the game, to be honest. so And his shooting is always elite. So um, I think based on that, I think he can still find a way to adjust and put up big numbers. I actually think long-term it'll help him. Like if he – because I, I think it got to be a crutch for him. And I think it'll actually help him in the playoffs if they actually do crack down on that, that when they take it away, it won't be like, you know, he always kind of didn't know what to do when he couldn't throw himself into guys and get fouls in the playoffs. And it always kind of hurt him. So I think long term, it's actually a good thing for him. But yeah, I love what you're saying about Harden. He's He's been among the NBA's best regular season players for the last, you know, 10, 10 years. So Chris, what about you? I'm I'm agreeing with you too. I'm gonna take the over. Uh, I think the absence of Kyrie uh, 
increases the chance of a possible KD or Harden MVP uh, candidacy. So I think they're highly motivated to kind of uh, to put a stamp on their careers in that way. So um, that that's you know that's where I think I'm going with that. You know what, Chris? You the real MVP. <laughs> Thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> um, what do we got next? We got, we have the, ooh, the Philadelphia 76ers at 51.5. I'm taking the under. <laughs> they are a mess. This whole Ben Simmons thing is a gigantic distraction. You know, Doc Rivers, his teams always seem to be in the middle of chaos, but... And and maybe he does a good job of that controlled chaos a little bit, but I just think it's they both sides have really mismanaged the situation, and I think it's going to be a giant distraction and a mess all year. And yeah, and that's my take. So I'm taking the under. What about you, Eli? Yeah, I'll also take the under. I do think there will be a Ben Simmons trade, but even with the trade. I think it's going to take just so much time for everyone else to adjust their games and, you know, the system around whatever the trade package ends up being. So I will also take the under, but I do think Ben Simmons gets traded this season. Wow. Well, I, and I would say the other thing that's difficult about that is, you know, how are they going to integrate a 25-point-per-game scorer from Cleveland onto that team? Like, that's mm. just going to be really, really mm. difficult to do. <laughs> So, well, how do you go from the, one of the best defenders in the league to maybe one of the worst, right? <laughs> I don't know. Chris, what about you? I agree with you, too. I'm taking the under. Uh, this team is a disaster outside of Joel Embiid, and I wonder if Embiid is uh, itching to get to Miami, maybe. I don't know. Uh, although, hey, I'm going to give a shout-out to Andre Drummond, baby. Had an excellent preseason. Guys are getting the Philly fans are getting Drummond pilled, so I'm happy for my boy Andre Drummond. What is Drummond pilled? Oh, Drummond pilled. We'll see. You know, it's it's accepting the idea that Drummond is a real hooper. He's a baller. He's absolutely a baller. He came in bald. He could do it all. Bit of passing, bit of dunking, bit of rebounding, stealing ball. He could do it all. We saw it. You know, he was able to make my joke was to the Philly fans is that Drummond made uh, Sexton a 500 player for three weeks. So uh, that's, uh, you know, Andre Drummond. Don't well, forget. And that's why we call him Mr. October. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, dang. I have, one, oh, no. I have one actually more point with Philly. Um, Joel Embiid has been one of the most injury prone prone players um, in Ooh, the league. He, yeah. He's been quietly healthy for the last two, three seasons. So I'm not ever wishing injury on an MVP caliber player, but history has not been kind to Mr. Embiid. So there's a chance I think maybe his luck runs a little out on that front this year. You're saying he's due? It almost feels like it to me personally, but yeah. maybe not. I hope not. I actually, the league needs more Embiid's, like guys who really care about winning, guys who are all about rivalries, guys that aren't buddy-buddy with everybody on the other team, want to talk a little trash, you know, up the competitiveness. That the He's NBA, really fun. He's yeah, so, the NBA such a needs fun those player. guys. Yeah, you know, him and, him and uh, Giannis are great to watch go at each other. 
you know, because they're both very similar in that regard. So, yeah, I'm all about Embiid. You know, I, I love Embiid embracing the heel role. So, who we got next? We have next up the Boston Celtics at 46.5 wins. Okay, go ahead. Who you got, Chris? I will I will go the over. I think they kind of underperformed last year. A lot of uh, COVID-related, injury-related stuff. Um, I think that they, you know, they made the coaching change. There's new life, a little bit of an invigorated, uh, invigorated uh, core there. So uh, I think, you know, I, I actually think more that it's the number that's kind of low and also kind of the weakness of the East, you know, especially at the bottom that they can kind of feast on. So that's where I'm going with that. Who do you, do you, have you watched them at all in preseason? No, I have not. Uh, that's actually, and it's probably a good thing because I've heard a lot of grumblings. They're trying to go, interestingly enough, uh, Ime Udoka of, uh, the, uh, of the Boston Celtics, the head coach, is trying to go uh, with the big, big lineup. He's trying to start Horford and Williams, trying to kind of emulate uh, you know, the zag, you know, zigzagging against the small ball trend. So they're trying that too up there. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. I don't love a rookie head coach in this situation. I think they've not drafted well uh, the last few years. I, I actually like Time Lord at the at the 4-5, but Horford is forked. You know, he's just... exactly. Yeah, it, I don't think you can count on him as a starter. You know, we all said when Philly signed him to that contract at his age, it was one of the dumber contracts in the association, and it remains that. I just don't. I just don't think they have enough talent beyond Brown and Tatum is the big problem. And I think the other thing is, you, and you've seen it with Charlotte. Uh, Gordon Hayward was a little underrated for them, like how good he was and how much he helped that team. Not only was a really good scorer, but he was like a glue scorer. Like he did all the little things and helped, you know, space the floor and give them actions and ability to score in a set offense that some of those other guys don't do as well. And glue passing is the, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Glue passing for sure. And you've, you've seen it with Charlotte when he's been out, they're terrible. So I think, that is a big reason they weren't as good last year, and I just don't think they have enough. And I think when the going gets tough for Jason Tatum, he becomes a chucker, and it hurts them. So I'm I'm not real big on Boston. I think they don't have a great year. Uh, what about you, Eli? Yeah, I'm actually going to take the under as well. Um, I think the Celtics uh, were rolling out smart as their lead point guard is – Pretty pretty dumb to be honest. But um, uh, <laughs> but, um I well, there's all these um, reports that he's like, oh, he's like lighting it up as a playmaker, and I'm just like, there's a track record of Marcus Smart not being smart in terms of uh, the playmaking and leading an offense role. So well, I'm also, a little surprised. He, he got benched. He got benched. Yeah, in preseason. And I was actually surprised that they the Celtics didn't really try hard to replace uh, Kemba Walker's uh, responsibilities. They are trying to piecemeal it through um, their collective players. But the other thing that 
is a little underrated is that um, Jalen Brown had wrist surgery last year. So like I think he's year, going right? Yeah, like in he missed the rest of the season. So I think it's a little tough that, you know, it's a wrist and that's pretty important for basketball players who shoot and uh use their hands for everything. So I think he might come out to a little slower start than anticipated as well. So it's that's why I'm really thinking that the Celtics are going to stumble out the gates, and then even if they get on track, it's just going to be tough given their team construct at this time. Yeah, and I will say Boston is a team that everybody gets up for beating them. You know, it, it's right. not like people don't look at when Boston's on the – like when people are playing the Cavs, it's like, oh, it's the Cavs. We don't have to – you know, how many schedule wins did the Cavs get last year where – you know, catching a team on second night of a back-to-back and the other team just didn't care. Um, Boston doesn't get that luxury a lot, so I'm with you guys. Who who we got next, Chris? We have next the New York Knickerbockers at 42.5 wins. Way over. That's my, that's my take, way over. I think just having watched them in preseason, uh, I think they're deep. I think... Thibodeau has figured out this roster. He's a really good coach in the regular season. They RJ Barrett's going to be better. Um, they, they've gotten some help for uh, what's his name, Randall. Uh, yeah, Randall. I. But the only thing is, they are counting on a lot of minutes from Taj Gibson, which at his age is, I'm amazed he's playing as well as he is. Like we all thought, he was almost out of the league two years ago, and now he's like starting for a playoff team. It's crazy. So um, I'm going big over there, though, just because I cannot see a Tibbs team with an all-star four and a really a fairly deep roster not being, you know, being just half a game better than 500. I just don't see it. So I think they'll make up the ground that Boston loses. What about you, Chris? I'll take the over. Not as enthusiastic. They are relying upon a lot of old players, and we know Tibbs likes to run a tight ship there uh, as far as rotations and everything. But yeah, definitely the over, though. I mean, yeah. And then also another player uh, they should probably see some decent improvement from is IQ. Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, what about you, Eli? Get make a quickly and slowly joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Paul, I, I don't know about quick or slow, but I know someone's really old on that team. And he's coming out on top this year. Old, old man top. <laughs> uh, I am also taking the over, but I am probably even less enthusiastic. I think they're about a 500 team, but they will end up on the right side because I think the playoff race will be really tight and they'll somehow make find a way to make the playoffs. Um, but I, I'm a little... I was really disappointed with Randall in the playoffs and how he ended the, the, his season. So one thing I'm looking at is to see how much that affects his confidence going into the season. You know, it's easy when you're coming out surprising everyone, but when you're an all-star and everyone knows that you were earned an all-star last year, it might be a little bit tougher as you start out the gate. So ultimately I think they win enough games to, for the over, but I am, uh, I think this one's actually pretty close for me. Did you see that Toppin's brother is playing for Duke? For and, real? Yeah, for real. And yeah, they just there was a uh, dunk video of him going around the other day, and he did the, uh, I think it was the VC through the legs dunk. It was pretty impressive. 
Um, nice. Yeah. Apparently, Obi Toppin had a great preseason. Well, I mean, he should. He's an he's an old vet at this point. <laughs> Someone said it was his post prime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and with that, we will be right back. Uh, southeast, southeast, going southeast. Welcome back to Cavs a podcast. We're going through the NBA, picking up some over and under predictions against this uh, the win totals uh, coming out of Vegas. Uh, Chris, who we're switching to the Southeast Division? Who we got? We have at the top of the division by over under the Miami Heat at forty eight point five wins. Who you over or under there, Chris? I'm gonna take the over. Uh, that seems a little low. I, I don't. I they've got Kyle Lowry. They I haven't seen a drop off yet. Although the play, I guess kind of around uh Eli's point about playoff drop uh playoff drop off uh performances Jimmy Butler's performance was absolutely egregiously awful against the Bucks um oh, in so, preseason uh I'm sorry are you talking postseason postseason yes last yeah year. sorry the the Miami yeah the Miami Milwaukee revenge series last last uh postseason but uh that just seems a little I'm it's more about the number than about them it just seems a little low Eli I'm actually going to take the under. I'm a little worried about their depth. And, you know, a lot of their players are actually pretty old, too. So I'm a little worried there's going to be some injury concerns. And, you know, Duncan Robinson got a huge deal. So he's going to have to show out um, going forward as well. But I think uh, him and Harrow are kind of, uh, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like they're Everyone wants to play their best against them and lock them down. So I think that uh, Miami might struggle, and if there's an injury, they could really get off the rails in terms of win-loss. I mean, yeah, Harrow and uh, Robinson are definitely the bellwethers for that team. I'm going to take the over just because I actually like their depth. I think they have you know solid backups at every position. Harrow has looked a lot more focused in the preseason, or Hero, I don't know how you say it. But, uh, yeah, and, I mean, they got a guy like uh, Oladipo, you know, who, if he contributes and can be, you know, 80% of what he was when he was an all-star, that's just gravy for them. But I I think the other thing about Jimmy Butler in the postseason last year, you know, I'm not judging anybody on how last year shook out just because, you know, he was another guy that had COVID during the regular season. True. It's just... You don't know what it does to you. I, I'm a little bit bullish on Miami, and they definitely feel like they have a swagger. I also think those teams that went far in the bubble, Miami and the Lakers, they were just gassed for that regular season. I mean, just it, the long bubble season and the compressed uh, 2020 season just took a toll, or 2020-2021 season took a toll on those all those guys that played deep in the playoffs last year. So, I, I think it's a bit of a bounce back for Miami. Uh, who's next, Chris? We have next up the Atlanta Hawks at 47.5 wins. Eli, I, I know your boy. I know you're juiced <laughs> to tell us about, uh, tell us how your uh, Demon Deacon's going to do this year. Oh, yeah. The juice man, uh, John Collins. I think uh, I'm going to take the over on this one. I think the Hawks 
only get better. Um, they locked in their core. And if DeAndre Hunter is healthy for the whole season, I, I don't see how they are a worse team than last year significantly. So I'm bullish. I think they're I think their young core is pretty good, and I like the veterans that they have in Gallinari and Bogdanovich and Capella. So I'm taking the over on these guys. Yeah, I'm with you. This team just seems to have a vibe about them. Like, they've got a lot of swagger. They really believe in themselves. I think, you know, Nate McMillan was my pick for coach of the year last year. I thought he, what he did replacing, um, I can't remember who he replaced, but um, was just, I thought he was phenomenal last year. And I haven't seen, everybody looks bought in. And actually, you know, as much as I've talked about the rule change and Trey Young, I actually think it'll help them if they call that less because Trey Young will just focus on not bu- getting bullshit foul calls and it will be less of a distraction and help the rest of the team a little bit more. So I, I am bullish on that team. And although I don't think they'll get as far in the playoffs, I think the Red Seas kind of parted for them last year, getting to the conference final and, you know, uh, New York kind of choked as well. And so I don't think that happens again. Uh, I'm excited. I'm hoping the cat, uh, the Hawks are a model for what the Cavs can be. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with both of you. I'm taking the over. I think uh, I'm a little scared just because they're so young that, you know, maybe they come out a little lackadaisical, you know, riding off the coattails of that very successful postseason. Um, that's the only thing that's really scaring me. But, I mean, they're so young. They have so much room to improve. It's hard to not see them exceeding expectations. And next, we have the Charlotte Hornets at 38.5 wins. Who you got, Chris? I'm going to take the over. I'm scared, but I'm going to take the over. I'm a believer in LaMelo Ball. That's that's what it really comes down to. I'm a believer in LaMelo Ball and also their coach. Um, uh, his name is escaping me now. Borrega. James Borrega. Um I'm a believer in him, and I'm a believer in LaMelo, so I'm going to ride those coattails. I'm actually going to take the under, mainly because they've looked abysmal in the preseason. And, you know, Hayward, I I talked about this. If I didn't back it up from what I talked about when we talked about the Celtics, (laughs) it wouldn't make much sense. But, yeah, I'm going to take the under just because they haven't looked good. Hayward being hurt has hurt them as it has. He's hurt again? Well, he hasn't played much in the preseason, oh, okay. so I don't I don't know what his injury status is. Oh, I, I may have to look, but this is this is just what I've gotten from like five tweets. So, <laughs> so I'm just I'm picking against them because they haven't looked very good. And Pure vibes, I love it. Pure vibes, Nate. <laughs> I, I think they're relying on a lot of young guys, and young guys are up and down, and they lose a lot, and I think that's going to hurt them, especially like who are their bigs now. That that concerns me a little bit. No, Eli, it's true. Eli, over. I am actually taking the under as well. Um, and here's here's my fear. I have a fear that although the Cavs, we want the Cavs to be like the Hawks, the Cavs might be more like the Hornets um, with guys like Devonte Graham, Scary Terry. You know, Devonte Graham got traded, but. Scary Terry last year. Um, I think that's like the Cavs' best case scenario for this coming year. But um, 
I believe in LaMelo Ball, but I just think that this team just – the East, everyone just got so much better that it just makes it harder for them to be in a similar position as last year. So that I'm taking them there as well. Yeah, they just have too many young guys they're relying on, in my opinion. But, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, who, who else – who we got next, Chris? We have the Washington Wizards next at 34.5 wins. Oh, man, that is so tough. Who, what do you think, Eli? Man, I really want to take over, but I just feel like I have to take under. Um, I'm not sure that the – you know, I don't – I don't think either team wins the West for trade, to be honest. And I don't know if KCP, Harrell, and Kuzma really moved the needle for me. So I think that the team is ultimately worse than last year, which this this number is. So I will stick with the under. And I think Beal, I don't know. Like, if he's really in town staying in Washington and sign, signing the Supermax, I don't think – or signing another extension. I just don't think he has any motivation to really, uh, you know, play that hard at this point. So that's that's my take. He's going to sign the next John Wall contract, <laughs> the next sign and retire. Damn. Yeah. Ooh. It's possible. I actually – I'm going to take the over. And the main reason why is I actually really like a couple of their additions. I think Daniel Gafford was the absolute steal – of the trade deadline last year. Uh, he looked really good for them. Destroyed the Cavs when he played them. Um, wow. he, he's yeah. been lighting it up in the preseason. Um, I like Rui Hachimura. How, how can you pick against your boy Hachimura? Japanese Jordan, baby. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> nice. Come on. I love it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I like what this team has. Um, I also really have always liked – now I can't think of his – I really like him, but I can't think of his name. Who's the guy they got from the Nets? Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be a Cavs podcast if I didn't forget somebody's name. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I like him. I hope he has a nice bounce back. You know, he had an ACL injury, which is pretty – which is almost a routine injury at this point in the NBA. They've gotten so good at fixing him. A lot of guys come back better. I I think he will – be really good for them. I just like the team. I think they're going to be tough to they're going to rebound really well. They're going to score inside a lot. Um you know, and they have the shooting with Bertans and you know, uh Beal. I I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to surprise team players. They're the people. So, who and who's their coach? They got Scotty Brooks. No, they got Wes Unseld Jr. That's the only thing. Oh, wait, Scotty Brooks is gone? Yeah. Uh, Yes, he is. Wow. Yeah, we hardly knew him. And and, uh, who's the tiny little uh, defensive coordinator that that was the – Oh, wait, wait, Longabardi? Yeah, Longabardi. Longabardi. Longabardi said goodbye. No way. uh, Yeah. Tank (laughs) – Tank Commander Longabardi. Um I don't know. It I I just feel like they're gonna be better than that. I, I like some of the guys on there. So what about what about you? Who hasn't picked? Chris? 
Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Eli here. I'm gonna take the under. It, maybe this is just wish casting, but uh, I think the the dark cloud of Beal situation is gonna hang over them, and it'll destroy their season. He asked for a trade, so that's that's where I'm going. I'm going full full apocalyptic with uh, the Wizards. Do you think uh, you think it's Golden State if he gets moved? Ooh. Oh man, oh, God! I, that's it. Seems like that's a little too obvious. I, I feel like it's gonna be something like it's gonna be like somebody hated. Like, oh, well, I mean, I guess Golden State's hated too. But I was gonna say something like Miami, you know, or Miami, L.A., you know, uh, Lakers, the Knicks, maybe. Yeah, there you go, Knicks. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something bad. Interesting. Yeah, what uh, do you think? You think? It, do, oh, I think it's think Golden State going? if he gets moved. I think that's oh, the guy. Really? Golden State's kind oh. of been openly, well, not openly because you can't say, but right. yeah, pining for. Um, we got anybody else left in that division? Yes, we do. We have at last the Orlando Magic at twenty-two point five. I was, I was hoping we could get to them. <laughs> uh, they have my favorite vax anti-vax player in Isaiah. Oh yeah, Isaac. Um, <laughs> They're a weird team, for sure. I what what was the number? Twenty two point five. Ooh, that's a tough number. Ah, I'm gonna take the over. And wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just barely. I just it's more about the number <laughs> than the team. I'm gonna take the over because I actually think they've got talent on that team. You know they they had a really nice draft. They got Suggs, although he hasn't played that well in the preseason. They got, but the guy that's been playing really well in the preseason is Mo Bamba. And if Mo Bamba has turned a corner for them, and I guess he had long COVID last year, which was part of the reason he was, had a lot of issues last year. And he looks healthy. He's blocking a boatload of shots. Um, it, that could be a really interesting team in a couple of years if, if he keeps developing. So I'm, I'm going to pencil him in for 24 wins, 25 wins. And uh, take the over there. What about you, Eli? I will actually take the over as well. It's actually really hard to only win 22 games in a season. Um, I know the Cavs have done it before, but they were. That yeah, but that was, yeah. At right after LeBron. So, yeah, I, uh, I just think based on the same thing we saw a little bit in the Cavs, you know, people. No one's going to really try hard against the Magic. You know, the Magic are going to win some surprise games on a you know when a team is on a second night of back to back. Yeah, because nobody um, goes to Florida and takes it easy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So uh, I I want to go with the over, and obviously it'd be you know by maybe a game or two at, at best. But I just think that it's really hard to it's really really hard to lose sixty games uh, as an NBA team. Yeah, I will say the only part of that that gives me pause is, you know, you're down in in <clears throat> COVID Central in Florida and that they, it seems to come in waves. And, you know, if they get another COVID wave on that team, that could hurt them. But uh, what about you, Chris? I'm going to take the under. Uh, I just can't get over the roster. It's bad. I'm not sure if they have one. NBA player, NBA starter, uh, NBA starting quality player on that roster. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't wish ill upon them. You know, I just think they're really that bad. 
Well, you were clearly not the only one, given how low the number is. (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) Uh, And when we come back, we will uh, wrap it up with the Central Division. Welcome back to Cavs, a podcast. Uh, We did make a mistake. You, like, caught us in the break. Um, We missed the Raptors. So, uh, yeah, what's the number on the Raptors? Here we go. Way back in the Atlantic Division, two divisions ago. We're going back to the Atlantic Toronto Raptors. 36.5 36.5 wins. What do you got, guys? I'm taking the under. I just don't think this team wants to win that bad, just given where they are as an org. And I think there is a lot of decent players in this year's draft. I think they sell off some of these pieces. I don't know. It's hard to say, though, because they've never really been a team that does that. So I don't know. Where are you at, Chris? I for the I for the very exact reason you just said that I just don't see them ever really committing to a tanking philosophy or a losing philosophy. I'm going to go the over. I don't know why, but I will. You think Siakam has a bounce back? Yeah, I think I think there's a tiny leap that OG and Anubi's taken. Scotty Barnes looks good. He's competitive as hell. Uh, I'm a believer in Fred Van Vliet, you know, I think there's these guys, you know, Siakam, yes, uh, there's these guys that got championship medal on that team, but I mean, you do make a great point. They could easily sell off, uh, these championship role players, uh, from their squad and they could, they can suck really in really fast order. So, um, I'm just kind of taking a leap of faith, uh, in the history of the Raptors basketball being good. I think that's a fair take. What about you, Eli? I'm actually going to take the under as well. Um, it's just really hard to improve 10 games uh, to over season to season, um, albeit uh, last year was a shortened season. But winning, uh, going from 27 wins to 36. Yeah, let's, half, let's so. say, you know, it would be at that win rate, it's like four or five games. Yeah. But even that, I think, is a challenge, considering it's not like they landed some superstar free agent. If anything, they lost arguably their best player in free agency. So uh, I just think it's really tough to increase that significantly. Um, So I am going with the under. Okay, and let's uh, switch gears to the central. All right. We have the Milwaukee Bucks at the top of the division. Well, let's save them for second to last. Oh, you want to save them for second to last? Yeah, because they're the defending champs, so I kind of okay, feel like we should. Okay, that's fair. No, no, yeah. that's 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 very nice of you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you. <laughs> our 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 Great Lakes brothers over there in uh, Milwaukee. Good point. Excellent point there, Dave. All right, we got the Indiana Pacers at forty two point five wins. Uh, I'm gonna take the under. It just I don't. I think health's gonna be an issue for them. I think death health's always an issue for them. I think depth's gonna be an issue for them. I just there's something weird about that team. I I it just doesn't feel like a good fit to me. You know, Evan Turner or Miles Turner is probably going to get flipped at some point. You know, the last three seasons they've been talking about it. I just don't like how the team. The team seems very fragile. I don't know. What about you, Eli? I'm actually going to take the over, and only because of Rick Carlisle. That is my only reasoning. I think he's a better coach um, than the last guy, so I 
the last guy whose name we can't remember. I think it's oh, that's Jorngren. Oh, Jorngren. Yeah, one season. Right, right. Yeah, one season. Yeah. I only remember him because he was so hated. <laughs> yeah, he really was. <laughs> that's a good point, Eli. I'd forgotten about that. So Yeah, so I am taking the over strictly on Rick Carlisle, who might have brought uh, Duga Lonchich as a secret player over as well. So, <laughs> What about you, Chris? <laughs> I will... I will take the under. I, you know, I agree with you, Nate, about the the roster. It's not healthy. I mean, there's serious problems. I, I've heard, I guess, with T.J. Warren's foot. Um, they just, the, the at the most premium positions, they have a ton of injuries, and so uh, and also their benches got awful. Like they have a nice starting core, but their bench is awful. So yeah, lo- just... losing McDummit, McDummit, McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, I didn't mean to do that on purpose. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, we love know, Dougie McBuckets. Yeah, I just I'm with you. I think Lamb is actually a decent bench player, but again, another guy who can't stay healthy. I mean, they just have too many guys that can't stay healthy. Karis Levert, Brogdon. You said T.J. Warren. Yeah, you know. yeah. So I, you know, I think they struggle with depth because of that, and. uh you know, I, I don't think the genius of Rick Carlisle is going to save him. Uh, who you got next? Okay, next up, it is the Chicago Bulls at 42.5 wins. Give me your hot take, Chris. I'm going over. You know, I've been, you know, shout out to the Bulls family out online on Twitter, uh, Kevin and Thomas. Uh, this one's for you. Uh, I think... I love their offseason. I thought they hit a home run offseason. I think, I mean, we saw the way they destroyed us. They came out with a purpose from day one uh, in to begin this preseason and NBA season. And and uh, it looks like they want to make a statement. And uh, at Caruso, what an ad. You know, gosh. I mean, they're... What about Ball? He's Ball, been, exactly. You know, his shot looks absolutely. so much better. Dude, I, you're absolutely correct. You know, you're absolutely correct. And although God, he they, did lead the preseason in being nutmegged by Ricky Rubio, <laughs> that's right. Oh yes, oh uh, yes, yes. I'm glad you said that, Nate. So, but yeah, I'm going over, way over. Eli, I'm also going over. I think Zach Levine might have had one of the most underrated seasons of all time last year. He his offense game was what you want. Athletic, made a lot of threes, um, could you know play make a little bit. Obviously, his defense is not the greatest for having all the physical tools in the world. But um, my kind of hot take is that I think the Bulls spent all this money because they know Levine is leaving next year. So, whoa, are you serious? Whoa, yeah. Wait, I think uh, like. Do you have a do you have a idea about where you think he might be interested in going? I think that because he signed with Clutch, he's not talking to Chicago about it. Even though Chicago, I think, is reportedly willing to you know begrudgingly give him the max, and it's a, not a done in an deal extension. Yet. Yeah, it's not happening yet. Um, I think Levine is positioning himself to leave the Bulls after the season, so. Um, I think they're going to have a great year, though. I think that's going to be, um, you know, they're going to be much, much improved. I think Vucevic is really underrated. I think he's going to have a monster season. 
uh, for the Bulls as well. So I I think they're going to be over and make the playoffs. Man, I was looking, and you were right. He did have a monster year last year. Um, he actually did not shoot enough last year. Like, given his true shooting percentage, he was ridiculous. There was – no, you're glad you both mentioned His it. true uh, shooting was 63. Yeah. No, it, it was literally one of the greatest offensive performances of all time. It was it was like 2015 Steph Curry level and Jordan level uh, efficient. Yeah, and the other thing, like uh, Ben Worth says that, you know, the, the Devin Booker of the East is Zach Levine and that he's probably actually better than Devin Booker. 100%, yeah. And – yeah, if you can put a pretty solid team around that. I actually think he and maybe even Ball make the all-star team if Ball keeps playing the same all-around game that he has been. So it should be interesting. It. I dig it. And, and you know me, I am not a Ball family fan. So, I, you know, I did not think Lonzo would be a good NBA player, but he's made himself a, a pretty decent NBA player. So. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So, well, okay, let me rephrase. I did not think he would be a, a star, um, <laughs> but I think he might be about to be now. So, uh, wow, wow. Yeah, who we got Dang. next? Nate is ball pill. Detroit, right. Detroit basketball. Is that who's next? <laughs> that is that is correct, sir. We have Detroit Pistons at 25.5 wins. Oh, I want your take here, Eli. Okay, my take, I think the will be over, and my hot take is that their young core, or core in gen- team in general, is better than the Cavs already. So, I think that, um, you know, Cunningham didn't look super impressive in the preseason, admittingly, but I just think that Jeremy Grant is better than any player, any player in the modern NBA that the Cavs have, so... I think they're going to sneakily win some games that they probably don't deserve to win, but that's kind of the threshold that you're at if you're at under 30 wins <laughs> projected. So I'm going over. I like the Pistons young core, and uh, yeah, I'm curious what you two think. Chris? I am going with the under. I I'm I guess I'm the exact opposite of Eli here. Uh, I think that they're going to regret not taking Evan Mobley. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA, and I will solidly take the under on them. Um, I don't think they're going to regret taking Mobley, but I do think it's going to take longer for uh. Is it Jared Cunningham? No. That's- <laughs> oh, that was a good callback, though. <laughs> no, I'm, it's not. Like, what's his name? I'm- Cade, Cade. Cade Cunningham. Sorry. Um, I'm. Uh, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> fade for Cade. Sorry. I just think it's going to take him a little longer to figure it out. I think that team is just super young. Isaiah Stewart uh, really, you, you know, had a nice year last year. But they don't play any defense, and they have a lot of guys who can score and don't do much else. I think they're going to be feisty. What's the number? 25.5. Man, that is a good (laughs) – man, that is right at it. If I I could call for a push, I would, but you can't push on a half a win. Um, I'm going to take the under just because I feel like somebody's got to be bad and – 
they're likely to be that team. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take the under. And, yeah, up next, uh, we got our defending champs, right, Chris? That is correct, sir. We have the Milwaukee Bucks at 54.5 wins. I'm, I'm going over. I just think this Bucks team looks even more locked in. They added shooting. They added more size. They got the big ragu coming back. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo. I like what they did in the offseason. I just think, and I don't know if you've seen any preseason clips of Giannis, but he's figured out how to shoot, and his release has gotten a lot faster, and he's pulling up in the mid-range and making three balls, and he he had one preseason game where it looked like he could have dropped 60 points in the regular season. Um, I think I think it's another MVP season for Giannis, and they hit the over. Uh, what about you, Eli? I actually agree. I think the Bucks. One of the best things that happened has happened to the Bucks this off season is that everyone thinks the Nets would have won, and they just are fueling this using that narrative as fuel for this season. So, I'm uh, I'm pretty. Uh, that's bullish. a fantastic point. I'm very bullish. Um, Ironically, even though we're talking about Bucks-ish, even. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I guess I'm bucking conventionalism, and I also think they're more locked in and more motivated as a defending champ. So I'm with you. I think the over. So, well, uh, before you go, Chris, one of my all-time favorite Cavs studio show moments is – when Campy Russell was sitting in front of the Bucks logo and he just looked like he had giant antlers growing out of his head. And, <laughs> and I, I have an aside here. Have you heard anything, Eli, on whether Bally Sports is bringing back the studio show for the Cavs? Because I haven't seen those guys. And it's just been John Michael and Austin Carr in the studio. And it's really weird and poorly produced. And I'm not loving it. Have you heard anything on that? I have not. I'm, have I actually, you noticed I, that at all? I'll be honest. I haven't really watched any of the preseason, um, but maybe it's just a preseason thing. That's, that's I, I hope so. Okay. Any of the preseason at all or just any of the studio stuff? Yeah, most of my preseason watching has been highlights or just like uh, every shot, one of those. Oh, look at Eli pull, pulling. That's a millennial move right there. <laughs> get it. Get him. Get him. Uh, I'm not saying that as a dig. What, what do you got, Chris? <laughs> uh, for the I, I, I can say that I'm sorry. A, yeah, I can say that I was a I'm a millennial, so I was just teasing. So, okay, uh, Bucks. I'll go. I agree with you too. Going over. Uh, I did see those Giannis clips. I was shocked. How uh, I was just as shocked as you were, Nate, about how improved his shot is. Uh, I mean, he he looks like there's no fear anymore. There's absolutely no fear anymore in launching the shot now. Well, and that's the other thing. The, the monkey is off their back for all exactly. those guys. For no, Giannis, for Bud. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, two other from examples. Milton. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They were absolutely – they were studs on the U.S. Team USA team. They, If they did not have Drew and Middleton, they would not have won that gold, especially with Drew's defense at the point of attack. 
Uh, oh, and just, I think he'll be much better on offense for the same reason we just talked I, about. I agree. I totally agree. I think that, that monkey is off their back. They they have that championship swagger now. They they carry themselves as champions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, vehement agreement with you, too. Definitely the over. Yeah, and I'm with you on, you know, it's funny. I didn't think they'd be back until I kind of saw them in preseason and saw who they added and the additions just make a lot of sense. Um, what additions did you like? I, I didn't even realize they made any moves. Well, I know Bryn Forbes went to the back to the Spurs. Um, let me let me pull this up. So who's on their roster? Who they got? Oh, they added Grayson Allen. They added um, who's just a perfect pickup for them. They I agree. That's a, that is a really good pickup. Yeah. Um, they added Rodney Hood. They got is John Luer on that team or wow, that's crazy. Um I just uh they added Semi Ojale. Uh I just think they have so many bodies that can shoot. Uh, the one thing I think they're probably a little bit short on is is playmakers. Um, you know, if they have a point guard injury again, it could hurt them. But right. you know, again, Giannis sets the table for everybody and everybody eats. So right. <laughs> they're, they're exactly going right. <laughs> to they're gonna be really good, I think. And I think like Grayson Allen is a, a perfect guy for them. Just can come in, play a couple different wing positions, you know, can cut to the basket and finish and can also shoot. Like the more shooters you put on that team, um, yeah. No, I totally agree. He offers just a tad bit more versatility and skill than Bryn Forbes, I would say. Yeah, and, and I'm not 100% sure that um, all these guys that are listed on basketball reference are still on the team because they have Larry Sanders listed, so. <laughs> are you serious? Come on. Well, because dude. he's still got dead money. He's still, he's oh, still on the stretch clause. Oh, my god! So he's still on their cap for a million. Shout out to his agent. Million eight, yeah. Is he agent also eating? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so last, maybe least, <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, am I going to talk myself into the over? That's the question, Chris. What's the We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Here we go. Cleveland Cavaliers, 26.5 wins. Oh, my God. That is a brutal number. And for everything we know with the Cavs, that could be either way too high or slightly too low. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they beat that number, it's not going to be by much. Uh, I love that. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Okay, come back to me. What do you got, Eli? I got to hear you two before I pick. All right. For 26 and a half games, I... I'm going with the over, actually. What? Whoa. Our resident skeptic. Does that that include a trade, Eli? Well, if they trade for Ben Simmons, it's definitely over. They could give up everything except for Garland and Mobley and still hit the over, in my opinion. Um, That is a 10 nickels for a dollar trade. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I also think that uh, I feel like people are going to sleep on the Cavs even more so this year. 
And I really want to believe Mobley helps winning that much uh, for this Cavs team. So I am, I don't think they're going to get to 30 wins, but I do think they're going to get to maybe 28, 29 wins. I think that's my, my take. So it's a very small window. Where are we at, Francis? Oh, man. I, you know, I got to go under, you know. I think, and, and here's the reason why. Don't kvetch. Go, go, go hard. <laughs> all right. It, it, the reason why is because I don't believe J.B. Bickerstaff has the courage to put together lineups that will go win games. Uh, I think... The Sexlin plus Okoro trio is god-awful, and it continues to be ran out. It would be tried to run it out the first game of the year this year in the preseason to disastrous results. It's going to continue. Uh, Allen was objectively awful. Um, that is looming as a terrible signing. Uh, I thought and he good last game. He did look good last game, but I, mean, I th- admittedly he played for six minutes. <laughs> yes, well, and the that's the thing is that he actually looked. He's actually been amazing, but that's only because they're running out the proper lineups with marketing at the three to space the floor. You know, so I, it's more about the fact that there's all these good parts that don't necessarily fit, or takes a good coach to make fit, and I think. That because of this, because of J.B. Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman's desire to treat these starting spots like sacred freaking cows on a lottery team, that it's just going to be a disaster, you know? And so, and then just, you know, as, as our friends at the uh, commentary say, you know, it's just going to become the cab knots, you know? And so everybody's going to be pissed off. No one's going to try. And then we're, we're sitting with, uh, we're doing the uh, lottery uh, sim at the uh, end of the season. I'm going to take the over. <laughs> and I will. T- <laughs> and here's why. Um, I think the Cavs have really unlocked something with these Mobley or and or Allen lineups at the five with uh, two kind of rangy, you know, marketing and Wade that can play the three and and either Allen or Love at the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to be deep. I think they run, you know, nine or ten deep. And as long as they can be consistent, and I like what, uh, you know, JB's done in the preseason, the question is, is how much is Colin Sexton going to hold him back? And <laughs> if if he if they're committed to trotting Sexton out there, even though he's l- – costing them points, they're going to lose. But if they actually are trying to win and and keep, you know, the same kind of mentality that we've seen in the last four games in the postseason, they, they're going to, you know, definitely beat that number. So, and the other thing is, is I do think the Ben Simmons trade is a real possibility for them. And, Ooh. well, Ooh. I actually feel like, Colin Sexton's a player that actually makes a little bit of sense for Philly in that they got guys they can put him with that can cover a lot of his defensive mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no, I agree. 100%. You know, and, and I actually think he'd be a great, he's got a great Philly mentality, at least as an offensive grinder. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
No, it was interesting because uh, with Sexton, uh, I guess, what were the league teams during the trade discussions this offseason? It was, it was um, New Cavs, York. Minnesota. Oh, no, I meant not for Simmons, but for Sexton. Oh, uh, it, New it was, York. Uh, yeah, I thought it was New York, Miami. Was it, was Philly included in that? Uh, I think later when the, oh, when the, when the, yeah, when the Simmons. Well, no, the Simmons stuff discussion. was always going on this summer. So, yeah, I think it right, was. Right, right. No, you're right. Indiana. You're right. Wow. Indiana. Indiana, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm sure Indiana would like a player who can stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> With that, we'll take a quick break, come back and wrap this bad boy up and uh, get ready for the regular season. Welcome back to Cavs of Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, wrapping it up here with uh, Eli, Kim, and Chris Francis. Uh, it's been a fun one, guys. Uh, Cavs are on in three days, Wednesday, right? Yes, sir. Two yes, days sir. by the time you probably listen to this pod, so That's I'm right. excited. In the banks of the Mississippi. <laughs> Yeah, um, we got our uh, postseason awards. Who do you think? Um, let's go rookie of the year first. Uh, Eli, who you got? Just rattle them off. Eli, Chris, me, and we'll just rapid fire. Rookie of the year. Jalen Green. Evan Mobley. Uh, um, see, I, I said rattle them off, and now I'm not ready. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Evan Mobley, too. We'll we'll just go Evan Mobley, Rookie of the Year. Okay. Uh, Sixth Man of the Year, Eli. Joe Ingles. Colin Sexton. (laughs) You stole mine, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I'm going to – is John Collins coming off the bench for Atlanta? I don't believe so. Oh, okay. Because I know he has at times. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna take Jordan Clarkson again. That seems like a award with a lot of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I love my boy JC. I like that pick. Um, who we got next? Coach of the year, Eli. I am gonna go with uh, man, so, uh, Chauncey Billups. I'll go JB Bickerstaff. But you took the under. How do you take the under? No, you took the over. Uh, no, I took the under. I'm wish cat. I'm totally wish casting right okay. now. I'm I'm gonna actually go Monty Williams, where they give him the coach of the year. Actually, no, I'm gonna go Nate McMillan. I'm gonna go Nate McMillan just because he deserved it last year. It's gonna be him or Monty, one of the two. Uh, who do we got? Defensive player of the year, Eli. I'm gonna go with uh, Joel Embiid this year. Ooh, that's spicy. I'll go Evan Mobley. <laughs> I knew you were going Evan Mobley. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take uh, – I'm going to take Bam. I think Bam has a really good defensive year, and that team locks a lot of teams down, and he, he gets the, the nod there. Not a bad pick. Uh, who we got? MVP? Or no, most improved before MVP. Most improved. Eli. Darius Garland. Is it three for three Garland here, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Darius Garland, baby. Okay, three for three Garland. Nice. Now we're all wish-casting. Okay, (laughs) you guys can't pick a cab for this next award. The next award is MVP. You can't pick a cab. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Joker for a repeat. Wow. Uh, 
I will go. I will go under protest. Under protest, I will go. Oh man, LeBron James. Under protest, my real answer would be Evan Mobley. I'm going KD. I feel like we need a fresh. I feel like they don't like to. They like to sprinkle it around, but it's been a few years since KD had. An I know. MVP, I agree. So. That that was the that was totally the other name. I was I was like, it's going to be LeBron or KD. I Although just with the there. caveat that if Giannis plays like I saw him playing in preseason, it's going to be impossible not to give him to him because he looks like he could score. He could drop thirty two, twelve, and six every night. Good God! Good <laughs> I mean, God. he looks amazing in preseason. So. <clears throat> which is ridiculous because he's talked about how his knee's still a little bulky. Okay, um, finals prediction. I'm going to go Bucks over Lakers passing the torch. Um, LeBron passes the torch to, to Giannis. Eli? I'm going to go Nets over Nuggets. I'm going to go – oh, crap. I want to go – Jazz, and uh, I really want to say the Cavs as the and as the big okay. fu to Adam Silver, <laughs> two two of the smallest markets make it happen. Well, you can go Jazz Bucks. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay, okay, Jazz Bucks. Let's do it. Let's Who do wins? Jazz Bucks. Jazz over Bucks. Uh, yes. If that happens, I will. I will wear. Uh. Uh, Jordan Clarkson jersey around the streets of Utah. It's <laughs> <laughs> not happening. Anyway, they don't even know who. He, did you see the clip of him? They, they, oh yeah, was, we yeah, talked about on the podcast. A couple <laughs> oh yes, ago. right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, where they're interviewing the, they do a man on the street interview, and they're like asking some random guy if he goes to a lot of jazz games, and random guy happened to be Jordan Clarkson, and he's like, "Yeah, I do go to a lot of jazz games." <laughs> I love Jordan Clarkson. Like I do too. I have man. totally come around on the Jordan Clarkson, Chucky Clarkson experience. Yeah. Uh, okay. Man. Um, things to pitch. I got two things to pitch this week, and I'll, I'll start off with one. And the first one is J.R. Smith golf videos on YouTube are just watching J.R. Smith walk around in bespoke golf apparel, and you know, launching. Uh, Pitching wedges to the green is just – it's one of life's little joys. What about you, Eli? What do you got to pitch this week? This might be a repeat for the world, but I am in love with Squid Game, the show on Netflix. Oh, Squid Game. I just watched it last week. That, so it's, hey, and, and just so everybody remembers, this podcast is 50% Korean. <laughs> and 100% That's right. awesome. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So I, uh, I'm i a huge fan of the show. I actually have watched it twice through. Um, I think I think the uh, director for Parasite was so, so correct in where he's saying that if you can deal with one-inch subtitles, you can unlock a whole new world of you know, entertainment and even though I do speak and understand Korean fluently, I I'm glad that this show has had a profound impact in basically all around the world. So um, I'm really proud of, you know, that Korean creativity. Um, that is an awesome pitch. I watched it last week. It was really good. I, one of the things that I've noticed recently and 
you know, if you another pitch, follow Patrick Fenlon, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves uh, uh, Twitter guy. But he talks about how American cinema has gotten so just recycling IP from 30 years ago and that all the great cinema and, and, you know, creative risk taking is taking place on all the streaming services and you're seeing so much great content from around the world now. And I didn't, did you, do you speak Korean, Eli? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. So you watch, you probably watch it in the original Korean, right? I do, but I still keep, um, subtitles. I actually on. do subtitles just in case I like, it's a word or vocabulary I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I do with Ted Lasso. Like I'll uh, put ta- subtitles on Ted Lasso because sometimes, sometimes the, the accents, I can't quite get there, but I watched it dubbed and just because of the people I was watching with, they preferred the dubbed and I didn't love it. I thought some of the dubbing was pretty corny, but how was the, how was the acting? Cause it's so hard to tell with acting when it's dubbed other than, you know, facial expressions and stuff like that. Was the acting pretty good? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think Korean people have this, uh, it's weird. So in the Korean language, there's like a way to say things like properly, I guess. Like you say to people you don't really know that well. Yeah, like there's a familiar form and a um, formal form. Correct. And I think it's funny that a lot of Korean shows have a lot of cuss words too, which like you wouldn't say in a normal setting. So I think one of the critiques that Korean native speakers had was like, you know, if these if this scenario is actually happening, they wouldn't be doing like they wouldn't be flirting the line between both of these where like you're respectfully talking to the people you're competing with, but also like cussing up a storm randomly here and there. So um, I thought the acting was pretty good. I thought it was, um, yeah, very a lot of those actors in the show uh, are big time Korean actors, so they definitely are experienced. Um, so I think that, uh, it was a good balance of new and old talent, um, in terms of acting for sure. What about you, Chris? And it, that was awesome. You I, I love the show. Um, I really enjoyed the whole season and I like a lot of Korean movies and I haven't watched a lot of Korean TV shows and that was definitely worth the watch. So, uh, what about you, Chris? What do you got? Okay. The pitch I got is for, uh, uh, for a art, a musical artist that my buddy in New York works with, uh, by the name of Des Rocks. Um, he's a young kid. I call him a kid. He's not really a kid, but I mean, he's just he's, a young buck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, he's, uh, trying to make, um, he's trying to make rock and roll, you know, so, which is something that's kind of been lost in the popular consciousness, I would say, in the music world to a degree, at least, you know, mega stars and stuff like that. So they just released a new song, uh, uh, that just came out. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it just, uh, it just, uh, left me, but, um, uh, but the whole catalog is really good actually. So, I mean, Des Rocks, uh, he's a New York artist. Um, and, uh, he's got a lot of personality. I love the, the influences on him. He cites like guys like, uh, Tom Jones, uh, Roy Orbison. So he's got an interesting, uh, he draws upon an interesting palette of, uh, musical acts to create his A sound. diverse so, milieu, if you will. There you go. I love that. Yes, exactly. So, uh, um, they'll use the one, a cornucopia. There we go. 
There we go. Yeah, check it. Check him out. He's pretty cool. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to my homie. I've been watching some shows on Hulu. One of the ones that's really funny. It's called Modoc, based on this old flying head villain from uh, Iron Man, and they made a claymation show of it, uh, produced by Seth Green, and the voiceover is. Patton Oswalt. It's really good. But when I was on there, when you said Love Island earlier, I found a show. Oh, right. I found a show called F-Boy Island. <laughs> it's literally no what it's way. What? Yes. yes, literally F-Boy Island. And I swear to God, it is MILF Island from 30 Rock. And I want to watch it so bad, but I also don't want to go to hell. So... <laughs> So that is uh, – if you want to just watch Total Trash TV, check that out on Hulu. It's called F-Boy – like it's not the swear word. It's F-B-O-Y, F-Boy Island. So no no Kevin Love, but when, when you're on Love Island, you might think of F-Boy Island. So anyway, that that's my pitch. And uh, as always, go Cavs. Two more days. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. And we're out. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things. In this country, I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.